Welcome to The Daily Sales Show, hosted by Sell Better. Welcome back, everybody, to The Daily Sales Show, where we bring you daily sales advice to help you sell better. I'm your host, Adrian Saya, and today we are here to talk about how to create the ideal outbound prospecting process. Bit of a mouthful, but it's super important. Now, I'd love to know where you guys tuning in from. Go ahead and throw it in the chat. We're usually worldwide, so I'd love to see some of these and give you guys some shout outs. Now, we know that when it comes to prospecting, going outbound can be tough. You wish everything could just come on a silver plowed or inbound, but that's usually not the case. So we're going to teach you guys what you need to include in your messaging, the type of sequence that you need to have, and lastly, who it is you really want to identify. So we can get into that and so much more. Now, I'm already seeing the, the chat blow up. Guys, make sure your chat is set to everyone. Do me a favor, click that blue button and switch it over to everyone so that we can see what you are writing in the chat. So I see Steve here from Seattle. Welcome, Steve. Jim from Day Dayton. Welcome. Welcome. It's great to have you here. And lastly, we have Jeff from Atlanta. Love Atlanta, man. Welcome and thank you for attending. For today's speakers, we have Antoine Marsden. He is a founder over at Outbound Works. And we have Chris Ritson. He's a co-founder and CEO over at Flexperts. Now, Antoine, what do you think sales reps are missing in their outbound sales process? Uh, great question. I think um, today, really, we're seeing a lot of people not really understand their prospects world. Um, I also believe that there's a lost art of conversation. So being able to really develop um, the reasons for why prospects do certain things, how they operate in their world, and then being able to tie that impact back to what the actual solution is that you know the the, the seller is actually offering. So I think that there's a lot uh, more work to be done on, you know, getting granular with those problems, um, really kind of understanding the perspective of their prospects, and then being able to really put that into a cohesive, um, you know, kind of uh, argument for a reason why they should be utilizing those services. All right. I completely agree. We've got to be able to just show that we can provide the value and really get it across to our prospects. Like, hey, this is why you actually need this. And people can actually well receive it. Now, I'm excited to get into this so much more. But before we do, I want to give a special shout out to our partners, Apollo.io, Detective, and Gong. You guys haven't checked these out. Apollo will help you find all those customers you've been looking for. What are their email addresses? Where can you put them all in one place as a beautiful dashboard? Detective is basically an automatic, automated way of personalization. AI and personalization come together to give you an incredible tool. And of course, you know about Gong, you know you had these conversations. Now, how can you go back and watch them and see where there are moments of interest? You got to check out Gong. And of course, we have our drop of the day. Detective actually has something for you all. It is the sales trigger personalization formula. This is a simple formula that they can give you. If you want to do personalization manually, they'll tell you, okay, this is what you got to include here, there, and bam. Now you have a perfect personalized message. So be sure to check that out and give it a download. Now, before we begin, if you're looking to level up in 2023, we are here to help with our daily sales show and our instant access to training and resources. The membership is designed for individuals and full teams. So guys, be sure to check out our shows because they're very, very useful. You can check us out at sellbetter.xyz or scan the QR code here. 
And lastly, let's get into what we're going to be speaking on. But before we do, this is a very important question. I want to know who is in the room? You have SDRs, you have AEs, how about frontline managers, maybe some senior leadership? Help me help you by answering this question. If there's more SDR questions, I'm going to be able to ask more questions that are based for SDRs. If it's senior leadership, I'm going to be like, yo, Chris, how can senior leaders really take their outbound process to the next level? Love to see this. If you guys can just fill this out, it would help a ton. So we're going to be covering how to identify your ICP. Now, very important. You want to know who you're reaching out to. Lastly, also uh, setting up the ultimate multi-channel cadence. And finally, the guidelines for creating the perfect messaging for that ICP that we identified in the pack. So I'm already seeing here that there's a lot of SDRs and about 15% senior leadership. Chris, does this surprise you at all? It do, it do, it doesn't, to be honest. Um, I'm loving I'm loving seeing so many SDRs investing in themselves uh, in terms of learnings. It's uh, it's it's refreshing. Obviously, I'm a little bit biased towards SDRs, right, because of my business. But um, but yeah, it's uh, it's great. It's great to see everyone. Loving it. Fantastic, fantastic. So let's get right into it. We have to identify our ICP. Now we say this. A lot of people don't usually know what it means, but Chris, why is this such a pivotal part of the sales process? Yeah, great, great, great question. Um, for me, this is where it all starts, right? Uh, when I think about any any sales process for any seller, doesn't matter whether you're an SDR, an AE, a founder. If you if you're if you're selling, then everyone will go through these four core steps of selling. Uh, when 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 they're when they're prospecting at the top of their funnel, right? You'll you want to identify great fit prospects. You want to build great messaging. You want to try and scale that with a good process. And then once you've started a two way conversation, you want to handle objections. I think the first part of that. Let's just let's just take that first part of the, those four steps, right? Is identifying great fit prospects and great fit accounts, um, or your ideal customer profile or persona. Um, for me, this is this this is where we we often go wrong as salespeople before we even get started. Right, we fall into traps of I'm just going to add as many accounts as as possible, or, or cool that's in the sort of ballpark right industry, um, or, or they have you know roughly the right job title. So I'm going to take as many of those people, as many of those accounts as possible, and just drop them into my drop them into my sequence. Um, I think it's really, really important. It's really, really impactful for the rest of that sales process when we actually start engaging or sending people one-way communication when we're messaging them, that we're actually sending it to the right people in the first place. So how can we do that or how do I do that or encourage people to think about it is three-step process. Firstly, you want to identify the right account for you. So you want to look at you want to look at like key data points that is going to indicate that that's a good account or a good company for you to go after. So company size, uh, right industry, um, is, there, is there growth at the company? What's the revenue of the company look like? Right? These are these are relatively basic points, but you want to have as many of them uh, ticked off as possible to indicate to you that that that's the right the right the right account that uh, for me. The second stage of that is then going and finding the right people at, at those accounts. Um, because ultimately, these are the people that you're going to start conversations with. They need to be. They need to have the right problems uh, that you can solve for them. 
Um, and what I look at here is obviously right job titles, tenure, correct department. And then what are these people potentially interested in? Can I get any mother, other information on them from their, their social profiles, things like that? And the third part, which is what most people miss out uh, when they're looking at their ideal customer persona or profile is they don't look at timing triggers. This is, from, this is one of the single most important or impactful things that you can do as a salesperson before you get started is, it, is the account, um, is something happening at the account that indicates to you that they're likely or more likely to be in a buying cycle than maybe another account, right? So if let's just say you've got 100 accounts in your list right now, right? If you, uh, they might all look the same. You might be able to all find, you know, the same personas, but those accounts will all be different in terms of different things that are potentially happening there. For example, there won't be a hundred new leaders starting at every one of those businesses, right? Or there won't be a new leader starting at every one of those business, hundred businesses. They won't all have gone through a funding round yesterday. They won't all be going through exponential growth tomorrow, right? These are the triggers that will indicate to us that the timing is right for us to reach out to them. And we should therefore prioritize them. Um, and that's like the third part of the puzzle for me is like, can we, can we, can we use the information around us uh, to, to help indicate that this is an account or an individual we want to spend more time with and actually deserves our time as a salesperson? We, we, for, for me, the final thing I'll say on this is we devalue our time as salespeople by trying to spend it with everyone. And therefore, we dilute the quality of, and the impact we have with thousands of people by just uh, trying to reach all of them. Instead, use the information around us to just to focus on having high impact, high quality conversation with, with a smaller group of people and individuals. Um, and that's where that timing piece can can really, really, really help us uh, win more at the at the start of that that initial prospecting process. Okay, I I love how you mentioned there that we're really spending our time with so many people. I think it's hard to control, which I can definitely relate. Put a one in the chat if you guys have felt this way that you just feel like your time is going to so many prospects that you don't even know how you can focus on just a few. I know I've been there. And it is super relatable. I'm already seeing the ones pour in. Thank you guys for letting us know. It's very, very true. Now, Antoine, when it comes to ICP, I'm seeing here that we have about 51% SDRs and 14% senior leadership. Mm -hmm. Should SDRs just take what their senior leaders have given them for an ICP? Should they look to develop it more? And for the senior leaders out there, do you always recommend they have their ICP established before they start hiring and training their their um, team? Yes, yeah, so, um, yeah, it's a really interesting point, and um, I think it, it it kind of covers both, right? So, senior leadership absolutely should know who their ICP is before they bring in anybody into the organization to prospect against the ICP. So that work should really be done, whether it's being done through conversations in and the marketplace, it's being done through peer groups, it's being done through customers, former customers, but it should really be down to the senior leadership to know who they're going to send their SDR team after. Now, as an SDR, when you have that list and you understand who it is that you're targeting, something that you should be aware of is that that ICP can shift, all right? And it can shift from as much as... Uh, you know, every few months, or it can shift 
literally every few quarters, but it can shift. And the SDR's role here is so, so important because they're right on the front line of having those conversations and really understanding what the movement is within that ICP group. So if you look at some of the best performing SDRs and the way to really help yourself rise to the top is being proactive in this particular part of the funnel. And that means that when you're having those conversations, if you're noticing trends, people that you originally believed were your ICP and the conversations that you're having are no longer resonating, the problems that you're trying to uncover just aren't there within the people that you're speaking to, then that would represent that there is a shift happening, right? And then really it is also your duty to report that shift back to your senior leaders. Your senior leaders set up the business or they're there, you know, kind of running these strategies. They believe they understand who are the right people to speak to, but they are not on the phones every day having those conversations. So they are detached from that process in that in that respect. Where the SDRs come in now is to be able to give them all research and findings about the groups of people that they're speaking to and what the responses are from the conversations that they're having and really help them to point the ship in the right direction. Um, I can't remember the name of, of the law, but um, you know, pilots, um, if they're kind of one degree off, off their course, it can throw them as much as 60 miles off um, their actual landing point, right? So that's the same thing for a, um, a kind of focus on your ICP. If you're even just a degree off, as you if you keep on with that uh, with that journey, you're going to find yourself further and further away from the point where you need to be. And I think it's all about that consistency of understanding who I'm speaking to, what they're saying, where the challenges are. Are those challenges right for what we're trying to solve? And if it's not, who in the organisation should I really be speaking to, or are we even really speaking to the right types of organisations? relaying that back to the senior leadership team, listening to the calls together to understand whether or not there's something that can be done either on the call itself or whether or not it is a strategy issue and there needs to be a new um, uh, kind of you know, a list that needs to be developed for those SDRs to go out and test that message again. But it really does come down to the refinement, the constant um, iteration, and really the development of that ICP over time. Love that. Love that. Now, I actually want to know from our audience, do you guys know how to identify your ICP? We have a question here for you guys. It's super pivotal if you really want to develop a perfect outbound process. You got to make sure your messaging is actually resonating with the people you're reaching out to. So it's best if you actually know who it is that it can resonate with. So let us know. This would be great to see. Now, I want to get a little bit more tactical here. And one thing that we talked about in the pre-call was the buyer's journey. Chris, why is this so important? And why did you break it and break it down into these three steps? Yeah, I think um, I think this is for for me this this was like a game changer moment when uh, when my pre when a previous sales leader this is like five ten years ago, um, showing my age now, right? But five five ten years ago, a sales leader said to me, uh, "Chris, like, you you're overcomplicating everything, uh, and and you're overcomplicating the the journey that a buyer goes through. You need to remember that." every buyer is going through the same journey. If you want to book a meeting, then you've got to remember that the buyer that you're the pros or the prospect that you're speaking to is in one of two stages. They either know you, are aware of you, or they're not <laughs> aware of you, right? Um, and therefore, your message, 
needs to be relevant based on whether they are aware of you or whether they're not aware of you. Um, and that moment was because I was just messaging everyone at this point, right? It was a very similar map, like very similar message, very similar uh, like thought processes. When I was this is when I was just starting out as a as an SDR, and I just thought everyone would obviously want to speak to me. Um, and it changed the game for me because it meant that well, now my objective, rather than uh, being related to just booking meetings and doing dials. My objective changed from everyone who wasn't aware of me that I thought was a good fit based on my ICP. My job now was to try and make them aware of me, right? But in a in a positive way that built trust, that allowed them to move through this buyer's journey, right? Because people need to be people need to trust you to be able to move through this. So if someone isn't aware of you, they're now aware of you, and they remember you. There's some sort of trust there. People will forget you if they they don't if there's not not any trust there. There's no sort of impactful messaging. So that was that 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 was why this was so so important to me. For the first reason, the second reason was was and I quickly learned this was when someone was aware of me, they then forgot about me really quickly. So they never moved to the consideration stage, and and, and I'd call them like three months later when they told me to call them, and they'd be like, "Sorry, who? Uh, who who are you? Never can't remember who who this is." Um, and, and actually what it taught me was once I'd got someone from before they were aware of me to aware, even if they weren't ready to move forward yet, they were still super, super, still super, super important that I continued to make them re-aware of me and to remember me and built a journey and an experience there for them that allowed them to build trust that I was someone that they should continue to talk to, right? Um, to the point of them being ready to book a meeting that I could hand that off to my AE, um, or if I was when I was in AE, I, I, I could hand it off to myself and and run that consideration stage, aka what it looks like in the CRM discovery call dim, demo, ton of negotiation depending on your sales cycle and 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 a decision, right? Um, but that's that top of funnel piece that that when I thought about it differently to how my CRM was just saying it based on stages, I just made it binary they're aware or they weren't it, it it really just shone a light on the fact that actually the job is just make people aware of me and then continue and then and then help them help them remember me that was that was it and the more that i'm able to do that uh the easier it's going to become or i'm going to have more people to be able to move to consideration and, and hand off to my ae to, to hit my quota love this and also how you mentioned the main core principle here is are they aware or are they unaware of who i am that at the end of the day it makes the biggest difference in your outreach right if they aren't aware of you how can you educate them and how can they become more involved with who you are and what you do now antoine i know you had this similar example but further broken down you mentioned there's some extra steps here to also keep in mind. Would love your input in here. Uh, can you tell me what this graph explains? Yeah, so I think um, just to, to kind of piggyback off of what Chris has so eloquently explained is not everybody is working in a company where they're able to call somebody and they know who they are. Now, everyone's calling from an outreach or a gong and they have that level of credibility straight away on the call. So for a lot of the time, people might not have heard of you and also for a lot of the time when you're reaching out to somebody depending on the situation they're, they're in when they are the, the you know what they're kind of doing at that moment in time you're not going to be top of mind for them 
right? You're either interrupting something that they're doing, or you're taking them away from something else that they're, they're that, you know that they're looking at. And so that kind of instant impact or that creation of credibility within that kind of first seven seconds, gaining that trust, is very very difficult, and it makes it more difficult depending on where that person is at the time as well within their buying journey. So Chris mentioned about you know the awareness stage. Either they're aware of you or they're not. That also ties into the fact that they may not have ever thought about anything in, in relation to what you're talking about. You might be calling about a, um, I don't know, a, a, a forecasting software, for example. This person that you're speaking to has not even thought about it for any reason. It's not come up in their mind. It's not something that they, they have been speaking about internally. And so therefore, when you're talking about you know all the things that you can solve a pain for, it doesn't resonate because it's not something that they've even thought about within their business. That then changes to somebody who is passively looking at these things, right? So now they've been made aware of something, they'll then start to go and look at it in their own time. It might be something that comes up on LinkedIn, an advert. It might be something that's shared within the organization. If you then call somebody at that moment, again, the impact of the messaging is going to be very, very different. It's going to be different as well for somebody who's moved into the active looking phase, or as Chris said, that kind of moving from there into consideration, right? It's, okay, now I'm actively looking for something. I'm looking for the differences between these different platforms and these different software offerings. And therefore, again, when you're speaking with somebody in that frame, the kind of answers that they're going to be giving to you, the kind of responses that you're going to be hearing are going to be very, very different from somebody in first door. So there's that level of adaptability that you need when you get onto a call with somebody that's in these phases. And that is going to greatly impact the quality of what you're bringing into your pipeline. If you're speaking with somebody in first thought, you're not at lead generation right yet. That's not a lead generation phase, right? You are creating awareness. And therefore, the assets that you would send over after that call are going to be in relation to somebody in that stage versus you're speaking to somebody who's actively looking for a solution like this, the assets that you send over are going to be very, very different. So it's about, again, the awareness that you have on the call about where that person is in relation to their journey. And then, as Chris said, you know, when you're speaking with them, making sure that they don't forget you and being memorable in relation to being very cognizant of what it is that you're sending to them at that stage of the journey that they're on so that you become more memorable. Did you send something that was helpful? Did you give them, did you send them something that they weren't aware of and therefore showed them a massive implication of the thing that they're ignoring, which brings them into, okay, well, actually, when I speak with this person again, this is going to be very valuable for me because they've highlighted something that I didn't know anything about. And that I think changes the game when you're aware of where the buyer is, what it is that they need when they need it, and then how that impacts on the quality of the pipeline that you produce when you're handing off to your AEs or when your AEs are then on that next stage of the call and they're identifying and clarifying exactly how they can help that prospect. This is great because you can actually segment your pipeline into different places, right? Is it, are they actually in their first thoughts? Are they passively looking, actively looking? Are they deciding? first use, they're actually getting a feel for it, or are they actually using it consistently and now have made it the full decision? I would love to hear from our audience, where do you think your prospects are? Are they in this first bucket of, they haven't heard of you, here's the first thought, are they passively looking, 
more actively looking at you because you're doing an amazing job with your outbound prospecting? Or are they deciding on your tool to begin with? I'm already seeing Jim here saying, we're only getting to first thoughts, which hey, is very, you know, that's usually the case. So you're usually going to be in the one to three bucket, but the goal is to get into that four to six. Now, everyone, be sure to screenshot this because this could be extremely useful for you. It could help you understand the psychology of your own buyer. Where are they? Are they in a certain bucket? And how will this change my messaging, which we are going to get to very shortly? Now, I'll see a lot of people here are actually saying one to three, which, hey, good. This means that baby steps towards something much bigger and better. Now, Chris, you mentioned the aware versus not aware, and I thought this was very important, so I wanted to stress it one more time. Uh, how can you truly understand if your prospect is aware of who you are versus not aware? After all, we're just sending them emails, right? And if they're not replying, how do I know if they're aware of me? So what, what do you think is the differentiator here? Yeah, uh, I think it's a, I think it's a really good question, right? The way that I do this, just to keep it to keep it very very simple, is I will always I I, I love binary things, right? Um, I think that that's that that I'll, I'll put that put that there up front, um, just because it means that I can bucket something or someone into yes or or, or no, um, and it's the same with this, right? Is the the way that I will do it is if I've sent emails and I haven't got any responses or I haven't had a two way conversation, then for me I'm going to classify these people as not aware, right? They they they're not aware of me really. Right, um, they might have seen some of my emails, but they probably don't remember me. Is so, so I'm going to classify them as not aware, not not aware. Right, what I classify as aware of are more as more individuals like people who have come inbound, uh, close lost, people who are old customers, um, right? People who have had it. I've had a two way conversation with that it was a meaningful conversation, and maybe they said to me, "Not right now, but two months time," right. Uh, I think it's very, very difficult to to say that. Okay, so I've sent three emails and they weren't open. Maybe they were because I'm not sure if outreach or sales loft, the actual open rate data is is that reliable. Then I'm not able to to fully say they are aware. So I'll always just presume that they're not aware, and I'll look to build that initial trust consistently. Because for me, if someone's not responsive or they I haven't spoken to them yet. I have a rule that where it, I basically will say to myself, I haven't done enough yet to generate that response, right? Um, and I think that that's really, really important because it makes me go back to the point of like, okay, I'm just going to reiterate what's the use case that they could potentially have, what's the research need to do, what's the problem that I need to communicate that we can help them solve, help, help them solve and work on together. Um, so I, go, I, I always go back to not aware if I, I'm not in two-way conversation. I love it. Love it. And it's it's a great point there. If I haven't had a conversation with them, it hasn't been a two-way street, then just put them in that not aware bucket and continue working on them through the buyer journey because it is incredibly important. Yeah, exa exactly. And w one thing that's, it's really annoying folks, right? But um, we've all been there when we've called someone who's been like a closed lost opportunity like a year ago and we're like, hey, you were a closed lost opportunity. You definitely want to speak to us. That's what my CRM is saying. And they're just like, I literally can't remember you, right? Like you, what, 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 what that means is, you know, to, to Antoine's point, you, you're, they're pretty much going back to almost the first thought scenario. They're, they're almost complete, been completely reset. And that's humans. Like we're, we, we, you know, we, 
from a memory perspective, like very little of what uh, we're actually processing day to day is going to go into long-term memory. It's on us as the salesperson to make sure that someone con is continually aware of us and therefore remembers us. And we move from them being aware to remembering, right? R aware to, or short-term memory today to long-term memory when we speak to them again on the phone in that, that, that phone call we've got booked in for two months' time. Um, if we're not operating between the now and that two months with them, they're just going to move back to not being aware of us and forgetting us. Very true. And you can't take it personally. That's one thing I've learned. It's going to feel some emotional damage, right? When they when they tell you, I don't know who you are and you definitely had a conversation in the past, but you just got to take it, little chip on the shoulder, flick it all up and keep it moving. Now, exactly, exactly, exactly. Antoine, I know you said that something that people need to keep in mind as well is how many people actually buy. You had this graphic here for us and it's quite shocking actually. Only 3% of the people who you reach out to are actually ready to buy or just going to do it, period. Can you break this down a little bit further? How can people improve their chances? Yeah, so uh, again, I think um, it, it comes down to a lot of what Chris said up front, right? And about identifying the accounts that actually are most likely to buy from you, looking at those triggers of where companies are right now, because it's look, everybody's kind of going out for the same piece of the pie when you're working in a certain industry sector, right? If you're working in software, you're, you've got a similar products to however many other companies, you're all going after the same type of people. Now, if you're going after the same type of people, there's still going to be that 3% of people that are buying software at any one stage. And those people are already in consideration phase. They've done their homework. They've already looked at the available options. They've done their G2 reviews. They've spoken in their dark social groups. They've asked their peers that are using these types of softwares that they know already. And then looking at the types of, you know, um, kind of softwares that are, are going to make a big difference to them and they're ready to purchase it. There's a whole other 37% you can see there that, you know, they're either open and they're interested, but they're not actively buying. So they might kind of be shopping around a little bit looking for quotes, they might be doing some homework internally, some team are doing some homework as well. And then you've got 30% that are not even thinking about it, right? And so there it becomes a challenge for you already in the awareness phase. If you've got 30, 40%, should I say, of, you know, a, a, you know, an audience, 100% of an audience where you've only got 3% that are actively buying and you've got 37% that you are trying to make aware and you're trying to educate and you're trying to show them what is actually out there and how they can resolve the you know huge impact um, that they're seeing within their organization through the software that or service that you sell, then it makes sense that you need to be effective in your targeting of those accounts that are actually looking at that stuff right now. And um, for those that are not looking at it right now, how you show up is going to be absolutely massive in terms of the impact that you create for when that does become a problem further on down the line. Because I think another big thing about reaching out and kind of creating your messages is that everybody is selling something similar. So how do you stand out? You stand out by the way that you sell. And so if the way that you sell is helping the prospect to that next stage, they might, again, not be ready, like Chris has said, for three months or six months, right? But in that three to six months, 
what assets are you sending them to help them understand this problem that's coming up on the horizon? How are you helping them to prepare for what's to come? Because if you're doing those things and being proactive, then the likelihood is that when it does come up or when they are in a position to want to solve it, they're going to see you as synonymous with resolving that issue. And so therefore having an understanding of this pyramid, you know, is very, very important because if you've got so many leads that you're going through and time after time, yeah, I'm not interested. I don't find this isn't why this, you know, this isn't a priority. We've got no interest here. Don't call me again. There's a pretty big kind of indicator there that you're, you know, kind of going into to, to leads and into organizations that are absolutely wrong for you. And you need to be much more focused on those where you can make a difference today and give them the impact that's required so that that helps you to be able to build a much more um, lean but qualified, super qualified funnel. All right. Now, I want to get into the nitty gritty here because we're coming up towards the end of our show. When it comes to actually outbounding, you want to build the right cadences, you want to have the right triggers. Chris, can you break down these triggers? How are they important? And why should you be putting people uh, into cadence as students in CDs? Yeah, I think it's pretty I think I think it's pretty simple, right? Like triggers indicate that to me that um an individual or a company is more likely to be in the market. The more triggers that they have, the more likely they are to be in in a buying cycle now. Right? The less triggers that they have, the less likely they are to be in some sort of buying cycle now. Um and I want to focus my time on companies or because my time's you know, really important. We're salespeople, right? We're, our time is is so important. We're out there solving problems for customers that that, that don't know yet that um, we're we're there to solve it for them. So we've got to use our time really wisely. And I want to spend it primarily just with the, with as many people as possible who have got got problems and are in the market. Um, that's what triggers indicates to me, right? So as soon as I'm seeing them, I'm picking these accounts up, and I'm then starting to think about how I can get some good solid messaging out to them um or high quality messaging out to them for 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 a strong period of time right because again i'd rather work an account that has lots of triggers for longer than i would just work it for a few days drop it and move on to an account that that, that isn't as strong and i think we make that mistake quite a lot in sales we're like oh my goodness someone hasn't responded to me three steps so I'll just default to 10 automation steps in my sequence and, and add some more people into the top. And, and actually, like, we want to make sure that we're, we're working high quality ICP accounts that we've done this research on. We've identified the triggers, not just for, you know, not just sending them quality stuff, but sending them quality for a longer period of time than, than, than what I see we, we typically do in the market right now, where we'll, We'll message people or we'll maybe take the first one to three, one to five steps of our sequence seriously, and then we'll run out of things to say. <laughs> so we'll default to automation um, and loads of automated steps. And, uh, and and actually, we just got to remember the fundamentals here. People, you know, like, like Anton was saying, people, a lot of people won't have even come across us before. So actually, each step that you're putting in here is going to, is going to, it's going to, it represents you know, an opportunity to build trust with your prospect, right? Um, uh, so each step counts, right? So kind of like what, what, what you were saying, Adrian, where you're just like, okay, how do I know if someone's aware of me or not? Well, like if they are aware of you and you've sent them five 
pretty poor steps, then they're going to book it you into you're not worth my time because I don't trust you because this isn't isn't relevant. That doesn't matter whether it's step one or step 15 in your cadence. Um, sometimes it's going to take that 15th step before they even look at it. But I'm going to send you those 15 steps beforehand or I'm going to call you 15 times or whatever, a mix of, of the above, if you've got some triggers that indicate to me that you're worth me to send these 15, do these 15 steps with or 20 steps with or 25 with, whatever it is. Okay. Now I want to hear from our audience. What do you, what are your triggers when it comes to your prospects? Are they fundraising, maybe headcount growth? Are they, they transition to a new role or maybe they checked out your site and you have some intent data? Go ahead and let me know, throw it in there. You can just put a hiring, you can put a one, a two, a three, whatever you guys see fit. I would love to see some of these. I'm already seeing a lot of people saying hiring is one major, major uh, trigger for them, which makes a lot of sense. It means the company has money to spend, which is very important if they're trying to take on new tools. Now, Antoine, let's talk about actually building the cadence. Now, I also want to know from our audience, what is your most effective method of outreach? Because we're about to show you a sequence that has worked very well for Antoine. So I want to know from you all, what is your preferred method of communication and is it effective? So Antoine, break this down for me. What is this? I know you got it from Justin Michael. Can you tell me more about it? Yeah. So um, really, you know, I think what I've seen a lot of is companies relying on one channel. Um, and the fact is, if you're using, let's just say, the cold calling channel, for example, you're, you're only going to see a kind of 1% to 3% conversion rate from those efforts. So utilizing all of the channels is definitely important, but how you utilize them as well is ultimately going to lead you to success. So when you're setting up your cadence, you call somebody, most people nowadays, me included throughout the day, I have my phone on, do not disturb, right? So you're not going to get through but if you leave me a voicemail, then that's going to give me something to listen to. Now, if I'm not the person to listen to a voicemail and an email pops up in my box that is then corresponding to a voicemail being left, that then kind of creates a loop, right? So there's this loop of it. Then as you're going through building out your cadence, you, 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 you send out another call, you drop a, um, a voice note, for example, on LinkedIn, then from there, sorry, you'll, you'll, you'll send out a, a LinkedIn request. Then from there, you send out an email, notify them that you've sent out a LinkedIn request. Following on from there, you'll then drop them a message on LinkedIn. You'll then drop another email. You'll send, you'll, you'll then make another call. And all of these things, they kind of add up, right? There's compound interest in those actions because what you're doing is you're surrounding that prospect and it's building familiarity. Right. So if you do those steps in the right way, they see your name on LinkedIn. You've left them a message on their phone. They've seen that you've sent them an email. All of these little actions that tie up as long as you've spreading out the actual cadence in the right way, it's not a full on, you know, five day sprint. It's, you know, day one, day three, day five, day seven, day nine, et cetera. Um, but if you spread it out in the right way, then it's the familiarity that often helps you to win that prospect from being completely unaware of who you are to then seeing that you're drip feeding in some value in your correspondence to then saying, okay, 
this may well be then worth me picking up the phone to the person when they then call next time around or responding to that email to say, all right, look, I've now seen your correspondence. Let's have a discussion so that I can understand a little bit more about specifically why this is going to be valuable for me. And I think that sometimes the way that cadences are built out that I've seen in, in a number of places, there's not either enough um, outreach. So they might call one day and then that's it. Maybe call again in three or four days. Maybe they'll send an email and follow up with that email again in two, three days. And it's not quite as cohesive as making sure that in the space of five, 10 minutes, you've, multi you've, you've touched somebody multiple times across multiple different um, platforms where they can effectively see, okay, this person's trying to reach me. They've given, they've, there's some good messaging in here. This is going to entice me to want to learn a little bit more about what that specific outreach is about. Okay. Now I'm seeing people here in the chat saying this may seem like it's a lot, right? This seems like a lot of emails and I'm seeing also our audience says that the preferred method is email. And this does have a lot of emails in the sequence. Mm -hmm. Do you think it's a lot or is it really just a form of awareness? I personally think if you're providing a lot of value in what you're messaging, it's not necessarily a lot. They're actually taking it in and saying, okay, this is actually something I could use and you're becoming more educated. It depends, it, it, it depends, right? I think, you know, all of these things evolve, right? So Justin Michael released this in, I think, 2020. We started using it as an agency straight away. And we started to see phenomenal results with that. But things do develop over time. And we are also very focused on the phone, for example. Many others are focused on email. Now, with the email side of things, it is you send out, if you're sending out value and you're adding new, new, new value every time, you're not just chasing or sending a bump or, hey, did you see my email? What do you think of the content that I sent? That's going to be something that, as Chris alluded to before, it's got to diminish any credibility that you have because there's no value that's coming in those emails. If you are consistently adding things every single time to make your prospect think, then that is going to enable you to be seen as, you know, look, there's value here from this guy. I should actually take some time to be able to, to spend with them because these things I didn't know, or these things I, I was aware of, and they could cause me more trouble down the line, but I don't act and find out about those things now. Again, not everybody is active on their phone throughout the day. So channel validation, being able to understand who lives on what channel, where they prefer to be contacted, ultimately makes this sequence then much more, um, much more impactful. But for those that don't have it, being able to surround those different platforms with the right types of messaging and delivering value in each of those steps is definitely going to see you have a higher conversion rate than if you don't have those steps at all. All right. Now, I want to know, where can the people find you, Antoine? Uh, so I'm on LinkedIn. Um, I post on LinkedIn every day, so you can find me there, or you can reach me on Antoine at outboundworks.com. All right. And Chris, where can the people find you? You can you can definitely find me on LinkedIn um, for sure. Feel free feel free to add me, message me. One thing that I do is I uh, I commit to around an hour a day of giving free stuff away or free time away. Um, it's just how I roll these days. Uh, basically, um, usually it's it's primarily for for, for folks who, who want to learn more about top of funnel or I can help in some way, introduce them to people to, to get a new job or whatever that is. Um, 
But, you know, just, just reach me and, and ask me a question. I promise you I'll personally get back to you. The second thing is I write a newsletter. It's, it's, it's goes out every Friday. Uh, it's basically, it's called the pipeline post. It's all about how you can go and build, build, build some more pipeline, right? Obviously, uh, hence the name, uh, as you can catch, you can catch me there as well. Uh, and, and feel free to subscribe to that. If, if you feel, feel like that would be of interest again, that's on my profile. Um, they're, they're probably the, the the places to get to get to get the most from me. Um, now, I love to do just one quick question. We have one minute left, Antoine. If we have thirty seconds, Adam here asks tips for monitoring tri monitoring triggers when time is precious. So, how do you go about monitoring triggers? Can you tell us very very quickly? Um, so, for me, um, I'm very heavy on Sales Navigator. So, if you build out your triggers on Sales Navigator and you have a uh, list that is built out against your ICP, then Sales Navigator is very, very smart and it drops in every single day new um, prospects against those triggers. So, um, and if you don't have that, then I would suggest Google Alerts, for example, set that up so that every time that you uh, something happens in the market against one of those companies that you're looking at, it will drop into your inbox so you know precisely when to act. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining this conversation, Antoine, Chris. This was great. Thank you so much for joining us. And thank you to everyone in the crowd who engaged. This was great to see you here and we will catch you on the next one. And be sure to connect with us at sellbetter.xyz. We are on Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, wherever. So we will catch you on the next one and peace out.